What is up, everybody? I'm Raymond Summerlin. This is the Sharp Angles Podcast, a very special edition of the Sharp Angles Podcast, because you don't have to just listen to Rich and I argue about the best Usher songs when he doesn't think it's Confessions Part 2, when it very clearly is Confessions Part 2. You don't have to listen to us meander on about that stuff. We've got We've got the big man here. We've got the boss live from Vegas, looking sharp with some clean Jordans on. Mr. Warden Sharp, how you doing, Warren? I'm doing great. Uh, the energy is electric out here. Certainly only a couple days away from the Super Bowl. Uh, lots to share with people. I mean, there's a ton to break down in the game. And one of the things I need to get into, I haven't had a chance to read Rich's excellent worksheet that he puts out. So you guys need to go to the website and check that out. So I'm eager to kind of trade back and forth with Rich and ask some questions of him and see what he thinks about the game. Uh, but you guys, if you're watching here live, you need to go over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and check out our Super Bowl report. We already have 10 props out there. We're going to have a pick on the game side total. We're also going to have more props. Um, and I'm gathering more intel here from Vegas, and we're going to be filling up the props as we go throughout the week. So you don't want to miss that. Um, use the coupon literally code down gathering, the of the Literally gathering intel. Literally watching – Watching planes and gathering intel. He's uh he's doing the spy work out there. Yeah, They're doing doing the dirty work here from the from the hotel room from the strip. You know somebody's got to do it. But uh yeah, let's dive in. There's a shitload to talk about here for this game, so might as well get started. Yeah, no, there is a there is a ton uh, to go over, and um, that's I guess kind of my my overall thought here, Rich. And I'm interested in where you are. When I read this game, so I read through Warren's Super Bowl report which is excellent. You go over to sharp.football. You can figure out how to get that promo code SB 58. You get $50 off. Go, go and check that out. Um, and then I read through your worksheet and every time I read something new and Warren, we talked about this yesterday. Every time I'm reading something new about this game, I'm like, Oh, I guess the, I guess the 49ers are going to win. And then I read something else. I go, Oh, well, I guess the chiefs are going to win. And that's kind of where I am with this game, Rich. Like this feels like, and we've had this now for about, I feel like the last five years or so since the last time these teams met, like if these games, these Super Bowls have been close, and I don't remember it always being that way, but it really feels like we're getting a lot of good games here of late. Yeah, no, no. You guys are, are near my age, and, you know, we grew up in the, the 80s and watched just the, you know, the, the, the NFC basically, you know, you know, pistol with the AFC for years, and then it kind of swung around. We've had some good games. The point spreads have been tight. I mean, you look at, like, these past five years with Super Bowls, the point spreads have been tight. Um, so, I mean, yeah, all we want is competitive games. I know people have Kansas City Chiefs fatigue. I'm some of the I, – I appreciate a good dynasty. Are you guys pro-dynasty or against dynasty in, in sports? So I'm a LeBron fan. I love watching greatness. I know that I know that people don't, but, like, I – it's amazing to get to watch, like the fact that we got to watch Tom Brady for his career. I'm not even, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not really a fan of any NFL team at this point uh, because, uh, you know, the Adams family uh, left, uh, left Houston, but, uh, and I'll hate them forever for that. But like, I like dynasties. I like, I like good. I like greatness. I love Steph. It's fun, Warren. What about you? I, I respect greatness. I respect greatness, but I root for the underdog. I like the little guy. I like somebody new to, change things up a little bit so you know for that reason and that's why you know this Super Bowl is so interesting to me because when I as soon as I saw the Ravens not run the football enough against the Kansas City Chiefs last week I was like motherfucker if if whichever of these NFC teams wins this game because they both like to run the football I was like they're gonna have success I'm probably gonna be picking them to win this game 
Um, and then when the Niners did, I'm immediately like, okay, they can run the football here. I love Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan deserves to win one. They have the better roster that I feel like they've got better depth. They're paying Brock Purdy peanuts on the salary cap. They're paying Christian McCaffrey peanuts because they gave him a couple of void years. So that's going to be lower his cap. They had only $3 million this year, running back 18. I thought I knew about all these teams. I didn't think I was going to be surprised as I started breaking down this game. But as you know, like, and the other factor here too for me was everybody who is back in the Chiefs is like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is a dog. Just take him. Like, stop overthinking it. You don't need to do any analysis. Just take Patrick Mahomes as a dog. So I'm like, okay, do I really want to be on that side of the, this game where like, I feel like the Niners are going to be allowed success running the ball and everybody wants the Chiefs and just betting him because of Patrick Mahomes? No, nah, I probably don't want to be on that side. But I have to do my due diligence and dig in. And as I'm digging through this game, every single angle that I'm coming up with is leading me to feel a little bit better. I don't say every single, 75% of the angles, 80%, a little bit better about the Chiefs and a little bit worse about the 49ers. I feel like there's some hidden edges within the margins of this game, run game, tight end game, all the different facets of this game that will break down that have me leading a little bit more towards uh, going with the Kansas City Chiefs here. Um, you know, that's I'm, I'm not officially on that side as of right now, but that's kind of one of the angles. And uh, and so that's one of the things I'm looking forward to in this game is kind of just how it does break down and what what ends up mattering, because I think this game is super close. And if one thing matters or a different thing matters, it's going to flip this game entirely, I think. And I think that that's what's interesting to me about it is that I think that this game could go either way, but I don't necessarily think it'll be a close game because if let's take, for instance, play action, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a few of these angles. But if one of the team breaks their tendencies and starts to use play action more, both of these defenses are super sensitive to play action and they're going to have more passing success than we expect. And if, the, if one of these teams does this and the other team doesn't, we could see one of the teams kind of run away with it. That could happen. Or if, you know, the 49ers start slow as they do, they're probably not going to be able to come back against the Chiefs, given what we know about the Chiefs defense in the second half. So even if we're not talking about the normal things that fuel more lopsided games like turnovers and special teams touchdowns, even outside of that, just a team making the right adjustment and attacking one of these teams' weaknesses the right way could lead to a not a close game. But it's it's odd because I don't necessarily think the game will be close, but I also think if either team wins this game, I'm not surprised, which is it's a very odd kind of situation. Yeah, we don't know like uh, you know the actual you know final score, but uh, yeah, I think we're just looking for a competitive game. I mean, one thing I will say though about both these teams, it's it's important to acknowledge what's happened in this postseason, but we're still talking about a smaller sample over a larger product that we've had over the course of the season. You know, I mean, this is still going to be a one game sample too. in, in, in of itself, you know, we Warren went, did a 40 page report of the game. I did 10,000 words of the game. It's still going to be its own entity in the end. You know, excuse we, me, we, 65, 65, uh... <laughs> 65 pages. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, so we can look at like what the 49ers have done these two games, but that doesn't necessarily, mean that that's going to be the outcome here that they start slow that they have to come back against the Chiefs and all this it also doesn't mean that we're going to see the Kansas City Chiefs you know come out and get a lead on the 49ers either so uh, it's going to be its own standalone game for sure and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to you know just kind of you know finally kicking off and seeing what we get I mean both these teams are so good it's kind of the inverse I think of when these teams played five years ago where the 49ers had an elite defense 
and the Kansas City Chiefs probably had a better one through 53 roster. It's kind of the opposite. The, the Chiefs have the best unit in this game, probably their defense. But the one through 53, the 49ers are a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's kind of a you know an interesting way that things have turned when the teams last played, you know, four years ago. Let's actually get let's just dive into the Chiefs offense here because there's a lot of interesting stuff uh, in the Super Bowl report. But one of the things that you know Rich and I talked about before the Lions game was the struggles the 49ers have had of uh, defending the run on the perimeter, especially uh, recently and late in the season and in the playoffs. And Warren, you had a lot of good information about in the report about how the how the Chiefs might try to attack them and, and where they might be able to have some success. Yeah, it's exactly as you said. I think the way to attack the Niners defense, both in the air and on the ground, is to the perimeter. Um, they're, they're excellent up the middle of the field. We'll talk about that against the pass momentarily. But running the football, you need to hit those edges on the 49ers. And the Chiefs have been leading into that a little bit more. During the course of the season, they were one of the teams that ran least to the edges of any offense in the league. Now, they obviously have a lower run rate than most teams, so they have fewer runs in general. Uh, but they ran a lot more to the interior, a lot less to the exterior of the uh, defensive line. That being said, this is one of those things, as I was digging into the numbers, they have sort of changed a little bit in the postseason, uh, just like they've done to, with like Travis Kelsey targets. Where are they targeting him? It's a little bit a little bit more to the perimeter, maybe going up against that elite linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens and something to do with that as well. But when you look at the run defense of the San Francisco 49ers against interior runs, I mean guard to guard, okay, number 14 in EPA, but that drops down to number 26 when you're attacking the tackles or the edges of that defensive line. They rank number four in yards per carry, guard to guard, but they rank number 17 if you're attacking tackles and edges. Um, they're worse against 11 personnel runs that go to the edge, and Kansas City has been running a little bit more out of 11 and attacking the edge as well. Kansas City substantially better when they run to the edges than up the middle, especially with Joe Tooney, who is unlikely to play in this game. I don't know if we've seen a updated report. It's hard to keep up with all the news and notes, but what I was hearing is he's unlikely to go. Interior runs, they're averaging only three yards per carry. Runs to the perimeter, they're averaging 5.8 yards per carry. So night and day difference there. Um, I think that they should attack there more frequently. And like I said, they've been leaning into that a little bit more. What do I mean by that? Well, in the playoffs, they've had almost an even amount of runs that have gone to the perimeter as they have uh, to the interior. Now, fourth quarter, it's a little bit different. Fourth quarter, we'll talk about how this team gets bogged down offensively. They're more difficult with everything that they do. They bring it on themselves, in my opinion. They can't afford to do that in this game. But when I look at the first three quarters of the games, like what is this team's identity? They have been running a little bit more to the edges. And I think that that's a recipe for success here. I think they need to lean into Pacheco and get a lot out of him because, you know, they have a limited uh, group of talented receivers and they're kind of narrowing down the route tree and who they're going to in terms of targets. And so they need to get a little bit more out of the run game and need to make that run game count when they do hand the ball off. I think you had a you had a stat in the worksheet, Rich, about Pacheco actually just being better on perimeter runs as well. So it, like it fits in with what, it fits in with the guy that they're going to give the ball to 20 to 24 times if they have their way. This fits in with, with where he's going to be going to be best. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about his rushing style. I think that, that, that his rushing style plays into why he's also not a really good interior runner too. I mean, he is more of like an upright vertical runner. 
Uh, and, you know, those guys, you know, he, he's like a, he is an angry runner per se, just because he looks angry aesthetically, but he's not really that kind of guy. He's more of a, more of a, of, of a speed guy uh, as a runner, but on outside runs out of 50 running backs had a hundred or more carries this season. I mean, he's 13th in success rate. He's uh He's sixth in with the rate of uh, those runs to go for a first down or touchdown. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry on those runs. 18% of those runs have gone for 10 or more yards. That's third in the NFL. But on those interior runs, like Warren said, uh, he goes the 22nd in first down rate or touchdown rate on those runs. He goes the 38th in success rate on those runs. His 3.8 yards per carry go to 33rd. In the AFC title game, the Chiefs ran 10 times guard to guard. He had 15 yards rushing with a long run of five yards on those carries. So, I mean, yeah, they're going to have to get some big plays, uh, like it's like we said, on the outside um, in, in the run game for sure. Just like the Lions. I mean, the Lions knew the assignment coming into that game. I mean, they attacked the 49ers immediately outside, even counting, you know, the Jameson Williams run on the opening drive. Yeah, absolutely. And But I, I said this before the Lions game. I'll say it again. Uh, if, if we're noticing this, you would assume that the 49ers coaches are noticing it, and they've had two weeks to try to figure out what to do about it. But the other side of that is this has been a problem for since week ten, since the yep. since the injury to the safety whose name uh, Huf, Hufunga. I think I got it. Hufunga. Hufunga. <laughs> I saw I saw a dude wearing a Hufunga jersey last night at the Vegas Golden Knights game. I was like, oh my god, got real fan. Hufunga is infiltrating the uh, Golden Knights. Game. Respect it. That's a that's a real fan. He's that's not a real be fan playing, right there. But- Exactly. exactly. But they, so this has been a problem since week 10. And so like, are they all of a sudden able to fix it in two weeks? I don't know. And this is another one of those examples of, you know, kind of what are we, what are we going to see here? Another thing I'm really interested in this game from the chief's perspective, before we get into the second half of the chiefs, because I think that's that number, that's the most interesting thing here. I actually, I put in an article this week. I took the under on Rasheed Rice uh, uh, receiving yards. I do think he's going to get a lot of receptions. They only target, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice at this point. But the way they use Rice, Rich, around the line of scrimmage with this very shallow average depth of target, and the way the 49ers are able to limit yards after the catch, which is what Rice relies on, he's, you know, it's interesting that he and Debo Samuel are playing together in this game because those are the two guys that have really kind of dominated in Yak this season. It seems like the 49ers are fairly well suited to stop Rasheed Rice, and if he's one-third of the Chiefs' offense, that feels like a big concern for their passing game. Yeah, 49ers have been have been good tackling team, especially, uh, you know, on wide receiver screens and, you know, throws behind the line of scrimmage to wide receivers, which is kind of where Rasheed Rice has really kind of lived this season. Uh, you know, that's what he was at SMU, too. You know, that was what we needed the projections still. So he's been basically the same player we saw in college where he, he – Led the he led this draft class in wide receiver screen receptions coming out of college. He's fourth in the NFL in wide receiver screens this year, and he probably could have been first if he just would have played more the front half of the year. But I mean, this is the Chiefs like they're not hiding like who they are at this point. Like they they need Rasheed Rice, and the, they figured like, hey, if we can only get him to be successful in this capacity, like our offense needs something. We just need a component to use because we're not getting anything out of any other players. They're getting like one Marquez Valdez Scantling catch a game in the playoffs, but like that's really it outside of what Travis Kelsey and Pacheco are wins games. Up. They yeah. always win games, these Valdez Scantling. I mean, they had the, the so they've had the they've had the lean on that, but I mean, yeah, he's 
I mean, he, he's 149th out of 151 wide receivers to run 100 more out this season in depth of target. Kadarius, Tony, and Paris Campbell are the only guys lower than him. So, I mean, yeah, he's going to need to break one. He did uh, break one in the Ravens. He got called back for a uh, holding penalty that was, didn't really have anything to do with the play. He had one called back against the Dolphins, too, uh, for another touchdown. But they get him involved in all these drags and wide receiver screens. It's like that's his game. That's where the 49ers have been good. They've been good. Uh, you know, in the middle of the field where he's really kind of done his work. So, I mean, they do give a lot of touchdowns to slot receivers, which is where he scored his most touchdowns. But it doesn't feel like a huge yardage game for Rasheed Rice for sure. And honestly, all these pass catchers for the Chiefs, uh, I'm real curious to see what Warren has to say about the dynamic. But my theory for this game is that the, the 49ers should break tendency and play aggressive defense. They should blitz Patrick Mahomes, which we used to be a big no-no. They don't, 49ers don't blitz. And the Chiefs should do the inverse. They should play less aggressive and make Brock Purdy have to read defenses and try to beat them. Uh, I'm real curious to see which defense actually calibrates and, and breaks what they've done the entire season. Because I think both teams are going to have more success doing the opposite of what they've done this entire season. I had a stat actually. Rice has he's averaged 5.1 air yards per target over his last four games. That would have ranked above one person in the qualifying receiver in the regular season, and that was Rasheed Rice. And so that is uh, that is where we are with him. Uh, Kelsey is interesting. You know, you kind of brought up you know what, what we see with Kelsey because what they do in the middle of the field. Warren, you were talking about how they they've been using Kelsey differently in the playoffs, and it seems like they're they've made a concerted effort to get him into different areas of the field and free him up. And we've obviously seen him have a, a lot more success in these last three games than he did at the end of the regular season. Yeah. And, I, and I'll touch on that real quick. I do want to mention about breaking tendencies. The, the number one thing I think that the chiefs need to do in terms of breaking tendency is more of that play action. Uh, we can lean on that a little bit later. If you want to Ray, uh, if you want me to go for it. on that, I will. Oh, so the, the Kansas city chiefs should be doing more using more play action because they are much better when they use it. And statistically, the San Francisco 49ers are substantially worse when teams utilize play action against them. Uh, they are, over the last two months, the San Francisco 49ers are the number one most sensitive defense to play action when teams use it against them. If you do not use play action over the last two months against the 49ers, they rank number five in EPA, number six in success, and number three in yards per attempt, allowing just 4.7 yards per attempt. But when you do use play action against the Niners secondary, number 28 in EPA, number 24 in success, and number 28 in yards per attempt, allowing 10.4. So um, the problem is Patrick Mahomes, they rank number 30th in play action usage, and they just don't lean into that nearly as much. But they could have a lot more success here, especially, I mean, think about it from like a game script perspective. Get a little bit more running, utilize a little bit more heavier personnel groupings out there to show that you might be running the football and then use play action off of that. In fact, I mean, the way that I think that you should be attacking the secondary is uh, utilizing heavier personnel to pass, lighter personnel to run. Those 11 personnel perimeter runs with Pacheco, utilize the heavier sets and then pass out of those. And I think off the play action, you would have a ton of success against this 49ers defense, which has struggled without Hufanga tremendously. But as it relates to Travis Kelsey specifically, um, you know, the linebackers of the San Francisco 49ers, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, elite. And so naturally you look at the stats and they're excellent against tight ends in general. But I pulled a couple of stats from Rich's worksheet about uh, some of the tight ends that they've gone up against, which is big picture numbers. I mean, when you pass against them, in the middle of the field between the numbers, using a tight end, they rank number one defensively in EPA per attempt, number three in success, number two in yards per attempt. But when you pass outside of the numbers using your tight end against these guys, 
number 19 in EPA per attempt, number 22 in success, and number 11 in yards per attempt. And, you know, from Rich's worksheet, Sam Laporta, he went off against these guys last week. And Laporta wasn't last week, I mean, last game. He wasn't 100%. You know, he, I think he was probably like 95%. He wasn't totally healed from his injury. And he's Jared Goff on the road outdoors. We all know that narrative as well. Laporta, 9 of 13 for 97 yards. We also saw McBride, 11 of 12. We saw Hawkinson, 11 and 12, 107 and 87 yards, respect 86 yards respectively for those two guys. So, I mean, decent tight ends have had success. They haven't played a lot of decent tight ends. And in addition, you know, the chemistry between Mahomes and Kelsey and the ability for these guys to go off script and just utilize the, the, the chemistry that's so unique to them um, should have even potentially more success. And the Kansas City Chiefs have been passing a little bit more to the perimeter with Kelsey. I've got like a one of the pages here uh, in the report. I'll just hold it up here. Actually, yeah, this works, works good. You can see it pretty well. Uh, look at the heat map here. This is Travis Kelsey targets, uh, what is it, on early downs in the regular season. Notice how they're like condensed and confined around the middle of the field, about five, six yards down the field. That's where they were targeting during the regular season. In the playoffs, it's much more spread out. There's only a few targets right in the middle of the field where they were targeting him here. Uh, now they're targeting him a lot wider uh, locations. And especially on, on first down, they're sp spreading out the targets to Kelsey a ton. So I think, you know, this is one thing that I, I, I have trouble believing. I think Rich is a firm believer in this as well. Is like if you have a team that um, doesn't really do something at all and never has done it, trying to convince them that they should do it for one game is much more difficult. But when they've actually been leaning into this over the course of the season, uh, sorry, over the course of the playoffs, it's different than what they were doing in the regular season. They're leaning into this a little bit more, much like their perimeter runs. They've been leaning into that. This is where I think just naturally they're going to have a little bit of an edge. Yeah. First of all, I have to say I really appreciate you uh, color matching your heat map to the to the Super Bowl colors. Super Bowl I thought that that was a that was a nice touch. Uh, I like this. We're good with the Super Bowl color scheme, right? I'm real into this Super Bowl color scheme. I love it's it. It's kind of got this. This my remember those Miami Heat jerseys that everybody loves. Mm -hmm. What are they like the City Lights jersey? <laughs> got that feel. I'm yeah color scheme talk. That's uh, that's what everybody's here for. Uh, but <laughs> Rich, yeah, I think I think Warren laid it all out. I, if I'm if we're talking like from a fantasy perspective, um, I am I am much less worried about Travis Kelsey in this game than I am Rasheed Rice. Uh, not just because of the target share, and he's got you know thirty percent of the targets in the playoffs or whatever. I just think they're going to be able to use him better. You mentioned they've been getting him in motion. Um, I. I I think that Kelsey is the one that I'm much less worried about than Rice, even going up against this defense. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, it's such an interesting matchup because of where the Chiefs' passing game kind of thrives is is such a is such a strength on strength matchup for the 49ers. And you know, I just keep thinking about how the 49ers are going to get him out of there. And it's just hard for me, like Warren said, like we we're, we need Steve Wilkes to do something that he hasn't done the entire season. And that's what's harder to believe that the 49ers are actually going to do this. I mean, when you look at, you know, Patrick Mahomes, where they've struggled is to push the ball vertically outside the numbers, and and they've been awful under pressure. It's crazy. Like, Patrick Mahomes, like, he's still a demon. Like, you can't sack him. The dude yeah. doesn't take sacks. The sack avoidance is amazing. But under pressure, like, this is – he's been another one of these guys that has been really able to succumb to pressure more than years past. I mean, he's had his worst season under pressure. Uh, under pressure against the Blitz. Only Zach Wilson has a worse quarterback rating this season than Patrick Mahomes. Zach, like, that, we got Zach Wilson in a category. <laughs> of 
Mahomes. Uh, yeah. And but the 49ers don't blitz. They don't play aggressive defense. They don't play any. They, they hardly play any man coverage. They, they blitz on just 7.7 percent of dropbacks in the playoffs. That's the lowest rate of every playoff team. They only blitz 19 percent of seven time. 19.7 percent time in the regular season. That was 25th. Mike McDonald. You know, the calibration they made in the second half was like, we're just going to blitz Patrick Mahomes face off. That was like how the Ravens adjusted. And you know why teams have had more success against the blitzing Patrick Mahomes this year than any year past? It's the Chiefs don't have any players that can win on their own anymore. The, the, this version of Travis Kelsey, as good as he's been in these playoffs, he's still not a guy that's winning with like dynamic ability like he had in years past. You know, we talked about Rashid Rice. He's still a guy they're getting more manufactured work for. He's not out here winning on his own, really, in separation of man coverage. That's why the Blitz has been so successful against the Chiefs this year as opposed to years past. They don't have those guys to get open. And will Steve Wilkes do that? He hasn't done it all year, so why would I believe he, he, he will? But I definitely believe he should. I mean, there's a there's a reason why you look at these splits with the Chiefs and why they struggle. They don't have the guys. They don't have the playmakers that you should be scared of anymore that are just going to bury you. I mean, I put the, order, uh, the, the note in the worksheet. The Chiefs are having nine yards per offensive touchdown this year. Only the Carolina Panthers were worse. Like, they have to sustain drives to score. This is not a quick strike offense. They're not hitting huge plays on you. Uh, Steve Wilk has to, has to get aggressive in this game, and I have a hard time believing he's going to. I think, you know, you kind of laid out some of the issues they're having um, against the Blitz and what the Ravens were able to do. But, I mean, it's more than that in the second half, right, Warren? Like, these struggles – have been for the Chiefs. And I, this is one of the, I keep coming back to these second half struggles because it's been this way for a very, very long time. And you had a long, you had a long kind of look at what's going on with the second half with the Chiefs. And I wonder, I wonder if, um, like, is this something they can fix in these two weeks? Or is like, is it kind of like what Rich is saying? Like, they just don't have the people to, if teams are going to make adjustments and try to take away one of their offensive people, or they're going to try to take away the running game. They don't have anybody else. So it's, it's, are they just going to continue to struggle as we go through games? Uh, it, or at least continue to struggle in this game. It's, it's a very weird situation. So I think that the chiefs, the chiefs are never this year going to be able to overcome big deficits in my opinion, um, because they like, Think about their run in 2019. They were down by double digits in every single one of their playoff games. They came back and won those games by double digits. Think about last year. They even went four and one last year when they trailed by double digits at any point in the game. This year, they're two and four if they're down by anything more than seven points. And the only two wins came versus backup quarterbacks, uh, Aiden O'Connell and Jake Browning. So I just don't see them being able to come back in games. It's important that they start fast, but the thing that I've looked at, and we all just see it with our eyeballs, I tried to understand what the hell is going on here. Uh, they are finishing so slowly offensively. You know, they aren't scoring points late. What is happening here? Well, they are having – their target depth is so predictable. First of all, they've been leaning a lot more into the run when they've had a lead in the playoffs, and they're using they're just default – 12 to 13 personnel. They're just bringing extra tight ends and trying to run the football no matter what. And they're having limited amounts of success in doing that, um, but they're just trying to grind the game down and grind the game down. Um, when they pass the ball, if they have a lead, their air yards per attempt in the fourth quarter is 1.4 air yards. If they're up by any amount of points in the fourth quarter, 1.4 air yards 
which is the lowest in the NFL. If they are losing in the fourth quarter, they're 8.2 air yards. So, like, uh, just a vast different um, objective, obviously. But there's no in-between. Like, I believe that they still need to play in the fourth quarter of this game like it's the second quarter for them. I mean, they're, they're, they do not need – they cannot afford to back off. And the reason I say that is because – We've, not just that we've seen the 49ers overcome deficits over the last several weeks in the playoffs as well, but the 49ers are, uh, they're the number one best deep passing attack. Now the Chiefs are up for that task. They're the, a very good deep passing defense and they've gotten even better over the second half of the season. They're, the Chiefs are the number one best deep pass defense on early downs in the NFL and the 49ers, when they pass the ball on early downs, throw it deep more than any other team and they are the best offense in doing that. But, you know, guys like Snead, and there is the propensity or the possibility that these guys could be beat on a one play. You know, they're, they're, they're biting, they're getting beat deep, they can't draw, they can't grab the guy to get a defensive holding, they can't get their hands on him because they do like to get grabby a little bit. They, they can't pull him down for a pass interference. And, and boom, all of a sudden, you got Ayuk over the top. Uh, Rich's got some great stats on Ayuk uh, against this type of coverage there's opportunities that something like that could happen all of a sudden the chiefs up by four points maybe let's let's paint this picture chiefs up by nine points at halftime chiefs up by four points in the early fourth quarter have been controlling most of the game and all of a sudden one deep pass burns them because they're they haven't been extending their lead at all and that's my concern with these guys is is if they get into like this situation where they're complacent in the fourth quarter because they're passing short, running a lot, being very predictable. I mean, I don't know the exact stat if I can find it here from the report, but it was something like that um, when they had three tight ends on two to three tight ends on the field, there was something like 85% run on early downs. It's just like so predictable from a play calling perspective that um, I, I think they cannot afford to do that or the, they'll give the ball back to the Niners who have a decent defense uh, and they, these guys can come back on them because they have a much better offense that's more equipped and more explosive than were the the Ravens uh, against them, um, or or than were the Dolphins against them, or you know even the Bills. If you think about all the complementary receiving threats that the 49ers have, and they should have lost. And I think that this is a really important thing, like to not to not say, well, it's you know it's been working out for them. It worked out for them with the Ravens. I mean. If they played that exact game 10 times, the Ravens probably win six or seven, right? Uh, they got down really close in the scoring range. They they should have scored more points than they did. Uh, Lamar, you know, they had a turnover at the goal line, a fumble. Lamar threw a terrible interception. But, like, it almost it – almost, didn't work out for them last week. And so you can't fall into this, or two weeks ago, you can't fall into this trap of saying, well, you know, it worked out. And this running, you know, even though we've been able to bleed out the clock and we've been able to, you know, make it work, you can't fall into that. And I think you're right that aggression and staying aggressive is, is going to be very important. We actually have a comment here uh, from Jeffrey Schreiber. Can we talk about Noah Gray lining up outside on some of his routes? I think over one and a half receptions may be in play. I, I don't know how much, you know, lining up outside has to do with him. I'm more interested in route participation and Noah Gray's been at like 40 to 50% route participation. Um, they don't have really any other targets. I'm not, I'm definitely not taking the under on one and a half receptions. I, I think he's gone over that in like four last five games, something like that. Uh, three of his last five games. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm fine with the over. I don't know if any of you have either of you have any strong takes on on Noah Gray's uh, line right now. No, Rich. The silence is deafening, Jeffrey. The silence. Well, I want to hear. I want to. I want to hear Rich first. I, I'll, you know, then I'll chime yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, I I have no objections to it. I mean, he's had the you know what uh, five targets, three targets the past two games. I'm I'm fine with that. I, I I'm not gonna let Noah Gray eat a bunch of our shot clock though. I, I, I would lean towards the over as well, uh, but not strong, but I would agree. Uh, you know, the Chiefs probably going to be passing the ball short underneath, um, and you got to attack the perimeter. So if you can get him a, a couple of targets, close to the line of scrimmage, that should be a high reception rate, hopefully. So let's move on to the 49ers offense. And we kind of already got into a little bit with the deep passing. Um, I thought it was interesting that both of you, independent of each other, mentioned the Packers game uh, with this Chiefs defense. And kind of the the concerns that we have that you know when we saw the Chiefs defense kind of you know get pushed, it was with a Matt Lafleur coach team coming from a similar kind of offensive philosophy, um, and so that was a very kind of interesting insight to me that we you know could we see the 49ers do similar things? But the other part of that is, and Warren, you wrote about this: is the 49ers offense actually as good as we think it is? Has it been propped up? by an easy schedule um we've seen them turn downturn in the playoffs so this offense you know can they have success do they have what they need to attack this chief's defense but also are maybe they a little bit overrated that's been really running through my head a lot as i kind of just think about these 49ers offense so let's i guess we can talk about the schedule a little bit warren like how easy has their schedule actually been from an offensive perspective well, I always start, you know, they're going to lean into the run game a lot. But let me start with the with Purdy in the pass game real quick. Um, they played just four top 10 pass defenses by metrics that I utilize to define top 10 pass defenses. Uh, they went one and three in those games. Now, I know that they were in you know, a couple of the games they were without some players. And so it's a put a little asterisk by that. But um, they've played just only two teams have played fewer top 10 pass defenses than the San Francisco 49ers. And then I like to look at context at times, like compare that to the Chiefs. Only two teams have played more top 10 pass defenses than the Chiefs. So Mahomes has been tested, and we could show that a different way. San Francisco has had just 141 dropbacks against top 10 pass defenses. That's 28th in the NFL. Meanwhile, Mahomes and the Chiefs have had 254 dropbacks against top 10 pass defenses. That's sixth most in the NFL. So it's a night and day difference between how this team has been tested. And it'd be one thing if it's like, okay, well, Purdy crushed these guys anyway, so like I'm not that concerned. I mean, there were struggles from Brock Purdy. EPA per attempt, he was minus 0.17 EPA per attempt. Now, keep in mind, um, he's number one like over the course of the entire season. So these numbers are just so stark in contrast. Minus 0.17 EPA per attempt, only 59% completions, and a 5 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio with 6.1% interception rate. Um, these numbers are ranking like out of 32 teams, when they go up against top 10 pass defenses, these numbers rank 28th to 31st in the NFL. These are like very poor numbers. They don't sound bad. They don't just sound bad. They actually are bad, even when comparing them to the rest of the league against these defenses. So I know played in the rain. He didn't have his left tackle. I, so there's some context here. It's a small sample. You work with what you have. Uh, just worth noting that, no, they have not been tested nearly as much as has uh, Patrick Mahomes and the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but it, so that's like from the passing perspective. From the rushing perspective, um, 
Christian McCaffrey, like that's what this game comes down to. In, in my opinion, if you're trying to say, aside from just like the obvious of like, yeah, hope the quarterback throws the interceptions or to Rich's point, like hope that uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, takes a few sacks against the blitz or something more abnormal that might occur. Uh, it's can you stop Christian McCaffrey or can you limit Travis Kelsey? I think those are two of the biggest uh, decisions that will determine the outcome of this game, barring like turnovers or big catch catastrophes from the quarterbacks. And uh, like that is the weak point of the San Francisco, of the Kansas City Chiefs defense is against the run. But uh, we'll say that I'll let Rich chime in here on the schedule if he wants to. No, I don't really have much to add. I mean, this this we know like the 49ers are ultra talented though, right? Like like they, they've got from like I said, from a top-down perspective, like they, they have the personnel to combat like any defense that wants to be played. It's all gonna come down to, you know, how Brock Purdy plays in this game. Obviously, he's gonna be the X factor for sure. Like, can he punch up? And and he's gonna have to live with this until it happens, right? Like, this is always gonna be the thing. It's been with the thing with the every Kyle Shannon quarterback, you know. So he's gonna have to break out of that mold. And I'm I'm actually super happy for the discourse because because no matter which way it goes, uh Twitter's gonna be on fire no matter what. So I'm I'm excited to see how Brock Purdy plays regardless of the outcome because I feel like it's gonna be a win-win if you if you're an agent of chaos and just want to see things go crazy. Um, but again, like when you look at Brock Purdy and he plays, I mean, Steve Spagnola has to be careful. I think he he needs to go and break tendency inversely, like I talked about Steve Wilkes. I mean, uh, I think they need to be more passive. When you look at even when, even with the, the struggles these two playoff games Purdy's had, especially early in games, he still has absolutely eviscerated man coverage. And even though he's been a little worse against the blitz than he has was in the regular season, he's still been good. I mean, the 49ers are, are created to just absolutely flood aggressive offenses and in the run game and in the pass game structurally. So if Steve Spagnuolo wants to be aggressive like he was with Lamar Jackson, the 49ers are just far better built than the Baltimore Ravens to combat that type of game plan. I mean, look at Purdy. He's thrown 11 interceptions this season. Eight of those 11 have come against zone coverage where the team has not blitzed. You've got to make him process. He will, he will throw aggressively over the middle of the field. Like this is what this offense does. It's designed to do. So I'm curious to see how Steve Spagnola decides to play it. Because this is a team that has blitzed a lot over the course of regular season. They've played a lot of man coverage. They're seventh in the NFL. The 49ers are built to attack you in that capacity. So I'm really excited to see kind of you know what Spags does. And Spags is also going to have to account for, like Warren said, the Christian McCaffrey factor. The 49ers are a team that don't see a lot of too high safeties because you are playing heavy boxes. They're playing a fullback. You have to come with the right offensive personnel. You have to bring a safety down. Brock Purdy sees cover two at one of the lowest rates in the NFL. They don't see quarters at, at, a, at a high rate either because teams are accounting for Christian McCaffrey in the run game. And that's what kind of creates a lot of like those big shot plays that Warren said. You've got all those in-breakers, Ty Uke, the digs, uh, all those, all those uh, you know, middle of the field stuff that you know Purdy's been so good at hitting on early downs. So I'm excited to see like what the Chiefs and what Spagnuolo can cook up. We've seen him in these big games before. Obviously, we remember 2007 what he was able to you know to bring to the party. So uh, this is the cat the cat and mouse game. I think it's fun. I have more faith Spags in doing something different and breaking tendency for like a one off game plan than I do in Steve Wilkes. I completely I completely agree. Not to not to interrupt. Sorry, Ray, but I completely agree. The one concern that I have is the, with the blitz, like you just said, right, uh, Rich. Um, the crazy stat that I have about Brock Purdy is his stats versus the blitz are almost as good as his stats when he is kept clean and the defense doesn't blitz. Like, 
they statistically have so much yard, so many yards after the catch and explosives against the blitz. You have to be careful. The Chiefs blitz at the 12th highest rate. You know, will they dial that down? I tend to agree uh, completely with what you said. They should stop blitzing quite as much in this game and try to play a little bit more coverage. The note that I had, uh, Ray, you mentioned about the Packers. I didn't touch on that, but real quick, the one thing that the one caveat that I'll throw in um, is the two hiccups that I think the Chiefs have had this year defensively. Uh, one was against the uh, Bills, you know, where the the Bills obviously beat them, and then the other one was the loss to the Green Bay Packers. Um, but the, against the Packers, keep in mind the Chiefs lost free safety Cook to injury midway through that game. And Drew Tranquil, their linebacker, was injured on the seventh play. Cook was injured on the first play, defensive play of the second half. They were already without Nick Bolton in that game. So, like, the spine of their defense was massively injured, both kind of leading into the game, right at the beginning of the game. There was no real way to replace that. And, I mean, they did get cooked by uh, by Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur in that game. But that's that's the one caveat that I would throw in there is that they lost a bunch of key defensive players and they're much healthier than they were than they were then now. So um, certainly there's there's been some success against this defense from a from a guy in that coaching tree. Um, and and Kyle's got two weeks to prepare, and he's probably, in my opinion, like my favorite uh, play designer. And I love what he can do out of all the different personnel groups. You know, they utilize the number one highest rate of multiple fullback sets. The interesting note that I have here on that though is the. Chiefs are uniquely prepared in a way to face those because they have played the, I believe, second highest rate of opponents' plays out of multi-fullback sets. They've played 13 games against the top 13 teams in multiple fullback sets just because, you know, they've gone up against the Dolphins twice. They've gone up against the Bills. They've gone up against a lot of these teams, the Raiders, who utilize a fullback. Got a lot of, a lot of experience defending fullbacks. They haven't always been great, but they've had experience, and um, it's up to it's up to uh, Spags to try to come up with something here. I just kind of want to throw out that was one of the more interesting things that I saw in your Super Bowl report. Available sharp Go and check it out. You can get it fifty dollars off. SB fifty eight. Throwing that right in there. Smooth as smooth as silk. But one of the more interesting things was the overall takeaway of this game is that the Chiefs' run defense is a weakness that the steel, that the 49ers are going to be able to exploit. That's the general takeaway that you hear everywhere. But when you broke it down and started talking about 21 personnel and where the 49ers are running, that it's not quite that uh, not quite that simple and maybe this Chiefs' run defense is, you know, better set up to to defend this this uh, Christian McCaffrey than it looks like on the surface. And the other aspect of it, y'all talked about making adjustments. We saw just last year this exact situation where the Chiefs were able to make adjustments and shut down an Eagles rushing attack that was one of the best in the league as Almost well. Almost to their and detriment, so, though. I mean, the, the, That's fair. Them selling out to stop the run, let Jalen Hurts throw for 300 yards and, and you know put up 30 points. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's 100% true. But, like, this is another one of those examples that I kind of talked about at the open. It almost worked last that... week for the Lions, we said. The Lions should be worse against the run. It almost worked for them. It, it should have probably worked for them, you know? Let let the, yeah. let Chris McCaffrey run for some yards for the Chiefs. Like, well, to be fair, their offense isn't as good as the Lions, so maybe they can't. But, 
Uh, yeah, you the, I, this whole thing of the NFL where like you can't you don't obviously don't want teams to like run for like six yards a pop and just be able to like not get out of the run against you, but like this whole like thing where like you 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 create like a pass fall in the NFL. Don't let teams try to beat you through the air. The 49ers are capable of doing that. Just that's you know, one of the things that lying. I've been wondering about about Spags. Sorry, go ahead, Ray. You got a wild stat. Go. Let it, let oh no! I was just gonna say it's wild that he said he said the Lions' offense with Jared Goff is better than the Chiefs' offense with Patrick Mahomes, and neither of us batted an eye. Went, yeah, that's probably true. What a what a time to be alive in 2024! It's just a wild thing. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that the interesting point about uh, the run defense of the Kansas City Chiefs is, you know, they have been worse against some of the worst teams in the NFL, but when they play top ten teams, and this is true with the pass game and the run game against top 10 run offenses, Kansas city ranked 13th in yards per carry and 14th in EPA per attempt. They stepped it up defensively against the best run offenses they've gone up against. And San Francisco obviously is the best in the NFL at running the football. They're explosive. They're dynamic. They're most efficient. They're the most run heavy team, second most run heavy team uh, in the NFL. They utilize those two fullback sets. And so if you look on the surface and say, okay, the weakness of the Kansas City Chiefs defense is the run. And they're very weak against two-back sets. They rank at near the bottom of the league defending two-back sets. Then I started diving into, okay, well, how do the Niners run from their two-back sets? Because that's one of the most important factors here. What I found is that most teams that are running against the Chiefs and having success out of two-back sets are not running outside zone. They're running up the middle. They're running in the interior against the Chiefs using a fullback. And that's where the Chiefs are ranking low in EPA. They're ranking low in uh, success rate because these teams are having success on some short yardage situations and running up the gut against the Chiefs. But on the main type of runs that are going to we're going to be seeing on Sunday in on early downs, they're the outside zone. The Niners lead the NFL in outside zone rushing. And they use the uh, second most outside zone the number one most two running back sets, but Kansas City versus outside zone from 21 personnel, they're only allowing 3.6 yards per carry. That's ninth best in the NFL. Minus 0.10 EPA per attempt, that's 14. 33% success, that's 13. So this run defense is not 30th, 31st against two back sets. They are, but when they run out of them on early downs from outside zone, they're much, they perform much better. And for these reasons, Ray, your point was right. Everybody that I see around here and talk to about the game where I've heard have opinions, the thing that they are they, they bank on the most, that they think that is the biggest layup is that Christian McCaffrey's gonna have a huge game. Like this is Christian McCaffrey's gonna have a ton of success here. And and I am sort of betting some of my props and, and, and some of my angles on this game with the thought process that what if those people are wrong? What if Christian McCaffrey has just an okay game? They're not going to shut him down like they shut down the Eagles running backs for 2.6 yards per carry. Some lady's wheeling around a couple of pegs with a broken uh, cart, so pardon that. Um, uh, what if what if they aren't able to have, you know, five yards of pop, six yards of pop on the ground, but instead they get less production there? Well, maybe we're going to see a little bit more Devo mixed into the run game. Maybe we're going to see – uh, a little bit more reliance and desperation in the passing attack from the San Francisco 49ers. So um, I, I, that's the part that's going to fascinate me the most here is does Christian McCaffrey get going early in this game and are they leaning on him like we expect they sort of are going to try 
or does Spags figure out a way to get the Chiefs or get the 49ers to come out and play? I don't want to say a little left-handed because Purdy's comfortable playing this way, but do they get them to come out and throw the football a little bit more than Kyle probably is originally planning for them to do? Well, you had a line about this, uh, Rich, in the in the worksheet about how if you told you don't even need Christian McCaffrey to have like a necessarily a bad right. game uh, because he doesn't you know he doesn't really do that, but like a lot he's not going to have not 130 yards and two touchdowns, right? And you said if you told the Chiefs ahead of the game that they allowed 86 yards on 72 17 runs to Christian McCaffrey on Sunday, which is a pretty good game for Christian McCaffrey, they'd probably be fine with that, right? Like that's yeah, what you're trying that's to. That's what they allowed the 49ers killing. running backs uh, when they played in the Super Bowl a couple years ago when it was Mostert and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, so they'd be they'd be happy with that. They'd be fine, yeah. right? And so if McCaffrey's not absolutely destroying them, then you have to kind of wonder where where else the offense is going to come from with this Purdy downturn. I guess from a fantasy perspective, we should talk about the pass catching options, Rich, and where we think this is going to go. We've seen, you know, Debo Samuel as he's gotten healthier has been a much bigger part of of the passing offense than you know Brandon Ayuk and definitely than George Kittle has been Debo has nearly 27% of the targets in the playoffs and so he's definitely been a bigger part of that but you also mentioned that you can attack this Chiefs team uh down the field and that we know that that's where the 49ers like to go which fits in nice with Brandon Ayuk but then again Brandon Ayuk's probably gonna have a lot of luxurious need on him which we know hasn't been good for number one receivers so it's it's again it's the theme of this game, it's really tricky to know which one of these there are these three or four avenues we could take. Which one are we actually taking in this game? It's, it's really tough to know. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know what the Chiefs game plan is. I mean, this is what makes the 49ers so good, though, right? Like, if you're going to go single high, play a lot of cover three, right, and, and you know, or, or try to be aggressive and play man coverage and some cover one stuff, which the Chiefs have been apt to do, I mean, Brandon Ayuk is absolutely, you know, eviscerated, like, you know, man coverage. And it only takes one or two plays, right? Like, we saw Jerry Sneed get a blown assignment last uh, two weeks ago with, say, Flowers, right? I mean, even he's fallible. Like, as a cornerback and a wide receiver, that cornerback can win – can win 35 reps but if he loses that 35th rep it could be a huge play uh so like they're if you you, that's that doesn't say like they support i said by you can that capacity kittle's been really good against man coverage too and if you want to play too high stuff they're just throwing it underneath mccaffrey debo samuel also two guys that you better come up and tackle with multiple bodies and so this is what makes the 49ers offense so good is they are a lot more multifaceted uh, than just saying, like, all right, well, if the Chiefs come out and stop Christian McCaffrey, like, that's their road to success. Like, they got a lot more to deal with. The 49ers, if they if they take Travis Kelsey out of this game or they take uh, Rasheed Rice out of this game, if they take Isaiah Pacheco out of this game, things become exponentially harder for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have a lot more, a lot more work to do defensively. But, yeah, I mean, we've seen now the back half of the season, though, like Kyle loves Debo Samuel, man. Like he's got a lot of things in the bag. Like he likes to use Debo Samuel, not only in the run game on these quick hitters uh, where you can get him just uh, at the line of scrimmage. Like we talked about Rasheed Rice, but he's also getting a lot of those play action, like in breaking stuff too. That's, that's what happened against the lions in that game. So he's been kind of like the favorite over like the, I call him the foxhole guys, right? Like it's third down or like you need to make a play. The 49ers are typically using Debo Samuel uh, in those big leverage moments. I misspoke. I said he had had a, a 27% target share. That's wrong. It's obviously he left the Packers game early. He's been targeted on 27% of his routes uh, during the playoffs, which is just a massive number uh, for him and, and much more than, than the other uh, receivers. 
I am interested. I, I gave out actually this week Kittle's longest reception. I But, I mean, they're not using Kittle a ton. And so I, I really struggled with where to go. I think Debo is going to be the most popular of the receiving options for obvious reasons. But I also think that that's the right answer. Warren, do you have any fantasy thoughts for us on, uh, on uh, this? First, first I do want to throw out our, our friend Joe Gibbs hey, Joe. has made his way down. He can't hear you, but uh, he's made his way down. Say hi to the guys. So, so we got we got up with Joe Gibbs here. Curtis is going to be here go a little check, bit. Um, go and check uh, Sharp Football Analysis. There's a great article on there from Joe about uh, the referee matchup in here. He goes in depth in the the makeup of the crew because it's not just a normal Bill Vinovich crew. They have different people from like Hockey League's crew and I think Land Clark's crew. He goes in depth about what those crews have done this season, you know, Vinovich's history, a ton of great information in that referee article from Joe at Sharp Football Analysis. Go and uh, make sure you check that out. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with your guys' thoughts on, on Debo. I do think it's going to be a decent Debo game. Now, I've also bet him from a rushing yards perspective just because I think that there's a chance. There's a little – I think what – this is my general thesis of this aspect of the game. I tend to believe that Kyle Shanahan is going to have to get a little bit more creative here offensively because I think Spags is going to minimize a couple of the biggest things that the 49ers want to do. He's going to minimize a little bit of Brandon Ayuk. He's going to minimize a little bit of the Christian McCaffrey runs. So then what are, what are the 49ers leaning into, which is where – I come down on, you know, if it's a straightforward game plan, okay, Ayuk gets his, uh, uh, um, Christian McCaffrey going to be running all over the place. If it's not a straightforward game plan, you're going to have to mix a few other things in. Maybe it is a couple more Debo runs than you might otherwise expect. Maybe it is uh, a designed pass or two, unlike we saw last game, to Kyle Juszczyk. Um, you know, the, the last week, people are betting the unders on the Kyle Juszczyk because, well, he got targeted three times last game in in, in, in uh, broken plays. That's not going to happen this game. And they're not going to be down 17 points. They're not going to need all these passes. Yeah, they're not probably going to be down 17 points. And maybe they don't target him on broken plays. But I do think in this game, because of the way that Ayuk is being covered by the 49ers, and we're, I don't, I'm a little bit on the under on Ayuk's receptions, that we're going to need to see like a, a couple of targets, maybe at least one, to Kyle Juszczyk. And these are plays that are designed for check that he's open on for, you know, decent-sized games. So I'm looking at the yardage on Juszczyk, uh His longest – a couple books have it lined differently. You can get total receiving yards or you can get uh, longest reception. Here at BetMGM, I went with longest reception over two-and-a-half, very low number. That basically is the equivalent of, like, he's going to have a catch because they're not going to be dumping the ball up to him in the backfield, so he's going to get tackled for, like, negative yardage or something. That's not how they utilize him. Um, so, at any rate, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with what you guys were sharing earlier, though. So, we actually – that's actually interesting. You were talking about them getting creative. Uh, from Jeffrey, again, what about Juwan Jennings over one-and-a-half receptions? Um, but, yeah, maybe they have to get creative. But I know you had in the worksheet – Rich, that when Debo's on the field, we're just not seeing Jennings targets. And so, unlike the Noah he only ran one, 16 pass at- routes last week. Uh, and, and also, if you just look at when Debo and Ayuk have played, Juwan Jennings has had more than more than one and a half catches in a games that they've played in full twice all year. The last one came in week – actually, that was – yeah, week two was the last time it happened. Yeah, week, no, week, I, week 13, he caught one after like in the uh, when the game was kind of out of hand and got there. But like 
I don't, I'll never push back on anyone betting an over one and a half, like whatever. It just, yeah, it's, exactly. it's not anything I'm, I'm not going out of my way for though. No, I, I'm done. I'm going to say, I feel better about, uh, about the Noah gray one than Jennings. All right, let's, let's make some predictions. Warren, I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction. We'll get your final thoughts here as we close it up. Uh, we'll, we'll save your prediction for the subscribers over at sharp football analysis, but rich, I'm going to put you on the spot. You got to pick a winner who we pick in here, rich. Yeah, I mean, I've gone, I've gone back and forth. I, I think it's like one of these things back and forth each side. I, I, I think just big picture, the 49ers have shown that they're, they've been a better football team for the crux of the season. I'm gonna stay with them. It feels bad. I mean, it comes down to Brock Purdy, though. I hate to distill the analysis stuff to do an hour-long show and say like, hey, and like Warren said, like everyone's just saying uh, they're betting take Patrick Mahomes as a dog. Like this game is literally gonna depend on what the 49ers can get out of Brock Purdy. This is like until he shows that he can extend the moment, like he did in a Detroit game. That's the, the reason why Kyle wanted to go to Brock Purdy over a guy like Trey Lance. Trey Lance was really good in the out of structure stuff, but couldn't get the on-time stuff in the offense. And that's why Kyle saw it early and was like, hey, it's a sunk cost. I'm moving on. Brock Purdy is good in the on-time stuff, and he showed last week he can create the off-script stuff, which Kyle hasn't had. So he's going to have to do some of that stuff. It does come down to Brock Purdy. My favorite bet is still Warren brought this up last week. I like taking the Chiefs to plus eight in the, in the under to 41 and a half and taking the over 41 and a half. The Chiefs have lost three playoff games to Patrick Mahomes. They've been by 6-3 in the Super Bowl by 22 points against the Buccaneers. I feel like Chiefs plus eight over 41 and a half as a six-point teaser is the that's the the way I want to play it. I think, and I actually brought this up in the chat. If I'm playing this game, I'm gonna lean towards the Chiefs. Actually, for the reasons I'm gonna take the more negative view on Purdy. Because even if you look at what happened in the second half against Detroit, and it, he was better and he had his rushing plays and he made it happen, he deserves credit for that. But if you look at his numbers, you know, it's inflated by a 51-yard catch by Ayuk that probably should have been an interception. If that's an interception, you know, we're feeling first of all, the 49ers aren't here, probably, but you know, we're feeling a lot differently about where Purdy is. Uh two of Purdy's five worst games for on-target throw rate uh, this season have come in, in the playoffs. I just what we've seen from Purdy for the vast majority of the playoffs so far hasn't been good. And it hasn't exactly been great since the Ravens game. I also just trust Steve Spagnola and Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid, we, we don't need to go into his history off of, off of a bye week. He's always been good at that. But I like like you said, Rich, I think I trust Spagnola to make the adjustments more uh, on defense that they need to make. And so I, I, I'm pushed here. I think Birdie's going to throw an interception. I think that, you know, the Chiefs are going to win this game. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to come back in this game. So if I'm betting this game and I want to get a little value, I'll probably take Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City at half, Kansas City at the uh, to win as well. Because I, from what we've seen from Kansas City literally all year long, it's tough for me to believe that they're going to come back. If they win this game, I'm pretty sure they're going to be leading at halftime. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see kind of where we go. How about you, Warren? Like I said, no predictions, but just general thoughts where you are on this game. Well, first of all, I, I like both of those, and I think that those are smart ways to play. Play the game. Uh, what was the juice you were getting on that, Ray? Uh, Kansas City first half. Plus 185. Plus 185. So that's a different way to play it, uh, which I don't mind whatsoever. Before I share some closing thoughts for myself, I do want to tell listeners out there, if you guys have been subs all year, you have been getting some of the props that we discuss on Slack from Rich and from Ray. And these guys have been killing it when they target certain a couple props a week. What's a favorite look? I always tell them, give me your favorite look. And then we worked that into the subs, and these props have been killing it. So I want to ask this live 
for the show. Prop-wise, Rich, do you have a favorite prop that you think people might want to get involved with? And Ray, ask you the same. Uh, I mean, I'm from the individual player stuff, there's not a lot of the lines I've loved. I bet some Debo stuff early early when it opened up uh you know i i bet to a little bit of iuk under stuff to play with that but i'm looking i you guys know me that you guys the, the, the listeners are behind the scenes here but i like live betting i'm more into betting live lines than i am on uh, anything anything that's open so i'm gonna wait and see how this one kind of starts out and cooks like ray to raise point though i think the start of this game is absolutely vital we didn't talk about we talked about the chief second half offense and the reason they've been able to get away with it is their second half defense has been incredible. So, like, the start of this game is going to be huge. So, like, how you want to play this game early from, like, a betting perspective, like, it, it, a lot is going to be dictated, I think, by the start of this game. Yeah, he uh, – Rich likes to bring up – we've said this before on this show, I think, but Rich likes to talk about all the live betting because he knows I can't do it in uh, in Texas. So, we, we really – we really appreciate – we really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I gave out my favorite one already. I think George Kittle over 20 and a half for his longest complete uh, longest reception is a really good bet. He beat that in 12 of 18 games this year. He's got three of those catches in the two playoff games. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of catches, but if he catches two passes, you have a good chance of hitting that longest reception over. So I like that one. Some other ones that I'm thinking about, I like Purdy over half an interception. I think that what we've seen from him, the Chiefs don't force a lot of interceptions. That's the thing about this defense is they've been very good without really forcing turnovers which is you know impressive and suggests that you know what we've seen from them is real but what we've seen from Purdy you know like I said recently not just in the playoffs but really since that Ravens game I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards Purdy having the interception and I do like I do like Brandon Ayuk under, I believe his number is now 61 and a half yards. I like that just based on, you know, kind of what the Chiefs have done against number one receivers. I think it's more likely that they're going to treat Ayuk as the number one because that's going to be easier for them than where they move Samuel around. But I mean, Ayuk could just get a long catch and that go away. So if I'm picking, if I'm picking one I like the best, it's definitely Kittle over 20 and a half yards. By the way, we have a prop contest over at Sharp Football Analysis. Open to everybody. Open to everybody, sub or not. If you are a sub, you will get double the prize money if you win. So there's an incentive for you to sub. But uh, it's open to everybody. You can go to sharp.football, get information about the prop contest. Uh, you have to fill it out 10 minutes before the national anthem. It's closing. So you've got a long time to go and fill it out. Uh, go and check that out at Sharp Football Analysis. Yeah, to, to reiterate, like this is all you do is go through is a little survey, pick some answers on some props, and you got a chance to win prizes that are the equivalent of thousands of dollars. We're giving away cash as well. So go over to sharp.football. You'll see a link. We're doing a free to enter prop contest. Hope you guys sign up. Hope you guys win something. Good luck with that. Um, I also want to reiterate, go to sharp.football and you can find the Super Bowl package. We've got 10 props loaded in there now. We are going to come up with additional props as well as game picks that are going to be out before Sunday. And, uh, you know, you get a copy of this report that I've been walking around with here and utilizing on all my shows. It's uh, 67 pages. It took roughly uh, 67 hours for me to write. And there's no reason to put in that much time onto this. Uh, but, you know, like we've discussed, and I think you probably heard the detail on this podcast, there are so many deep dives that you can go down into because this matchup is so tight. And these two teams, like we don't have a shocker team that has a key weakness in this one area that somehow made this dramatic underdog run to the Super Bowl. These are two of the best teams that we knew all along could get here. 
They have the best overall units. They have some of the best coaches. So you got to dig a little bit deeper to try to uncover some angles. There's a lot in this report that's going to help you from a prop betting perspective to make up your own mind on some of the things that uh, using some of this information come with some props, but we'll also spoon feed you some of our favorites uh, and, and, and help to win some money there. In terms of the way that I think that this game goes, um, again, we'll have the final answer in, in the to subs. Hopefully it is the correct final answer. It's going to be my final answer, uh, whether it's correct or not. But um, I absolutely believe that the key is going to be, I think there's a chance that other people think, hey, CMC, 100 of 100 type game here is going to be great. This is what the Kyle Shanahan-led offense is going to be able to lean on. I think there's a world where we don't see that. So then what happens at that point? Um, meanwhile, I think Kelsey could have success here, uh, even though you've got great linebackers and even though this defense is elite against tight ends in general, I think Kelsey could have some success. I think that the run to the perimeter from Pacheco could have some success. So a lot of the things I've dug into on the Chiefs side of the ball when they have the football lead me to feel a little bit more confident in them. And so I've sort of pivoted in my thought process from I'm definitely betting the Niners here because they're going to run all over them to, hey, I think there's some edges here for the Kansas City Chiefs to actually go out and win this game. And the other thing that I'll add, just last words here, is very different year from the Kansas City Chiefs than we've seen in their other runs to the Super Bowl where we've been giving them in years past flowers every week. They've been breaking offensive records. Patrick Mahomes looks unbeatable. Uh, they keep running up the score on people. They earned a first-round bye. Uh, they're hosting all these home playoff games. They only have to play two playoff games. They're both at home. Then they get into the Super Bowl. Have they really been tested? Maybe not. This team, so much different. They played six straight games at a rest disadvantage. That has not happened in NFL history from weeks 12 through 17. They were at a rest disadvantage in every single one of those games. They've been underdogs now for three straight games in the playoffs. We have not been giving them their flowers all season long. This offense has not looked very good. They've adopted a little bit more of an underdog mentality, even though they are the defending Super Bowl champs. And that's just something we've seen across all levels of sports, from the, the Jordan Bulls to, to the Lakers at times to like other sports. I don't know about baseball as much. You guys are a little bit more versed there. But you know the teams that are the best that still believe that they're getting disrespected, which is what I think that is going for the Kansas City Chiefs here, that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous thing to be dealing with. And so – I cannot wait to see how they come out finally getting a week off. You know, they haven't had that week off since they came back from Germany. And that was like a, a shortened bye week because of their travel back from Germany. I'm just excited to see what these coaches come up with on both sides of the ball. And I do give the edge there to the Chiefs because they got spags on defense, whereas I, I don't have as much confidence offensively for, or sorry, defensively for the 49ers. So there's a few final thoughts. Um, I already gave you shared. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk prop that I really like um, and a couple other ones that we discussed on here, including Debo Samuel rushing yards. So looking forward to a great game. And uh, this has been a ton of fun. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. It's been a blast. I, uh, yeah, no, as, as Rich said, we definitely needed another hour of conversation about this game. There's not enough, not enough people talking about the Super Bowl, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. And like I said, and I read this stuff every week, the, the different way to approach the game that we see in the Super Bowl report and in Rich's worksheet uh, is definitely worth uh, the price of admission. And if you dig deeper, this game gets even more interesting, and I'm excited for hopefully a good one. So head over sharp football, sharp, sharp football. You can find all of our Super Bowl content. There's a ton up there. Join the Prop Bets contest. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Hopefully and one, last have a thing, good game. one last thing. One last thing. One last thing. 
This is our first year with Ray on board. I, I think Ray's done an outstanding job. I think Rich can echo that uh, sentiment. We're really happy that you've been with us this year, Ray. Uh, you've been absolutely crushing it. So, you know, thanks again. It's been a yeah. great season this year and, uh, and looking forward to continuing. I can see you kind of smirking because you know that I hate this more than anything in the world this moment. It's such a nice thing to say, but uh, I can't, uh, I don't know what it is in me. The Southern boy in me is like, no, we, we'll talk about something else. But I do, uh, but I do definitely appreciate it. All right. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, we'll, we'll be back to talk to you soon. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll see you later.